0: From your local Houston BMW Center studios, welcome to the Public Affairs Podcast, addressing local issues that affect our nation and shape our world. I'm your host, KG Smooth, welcoming back on the program. It's been quite a while since she's last been on because we haven't had any disasters here uh, in Houston, which is a good thing, but this year is all about celebration. Ladies and gentlemen, the executive director and CEO of Rebuilding Together Houston The lovely, my friend, Christine Holland. Hi.
1: Hi.
0: Good to hear from you, Christine. Too bad you couldn't be here um, in person with me.
1: Well, next time we'll make that happen.
0: Absolutely. How have things been going over there at Rebuilding Together?
1: Rebuilding Together is having an amazing year. We have reached a tremendous milestone. It's our 40th anniversary. 40 and years. 40 years wow i know and we are going to celebrate our neighbors our volunteers and our donors all year long
0: mhm and um when is this celebration
1: taking place oh it has started <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me tell you let me tell you what's been done so far so back on mlk day we announced that we're going to build 40 wheelchair ramps to celebrate our 40 years Wow! So ever since then, we have been building uh, wheelchair ramps for low-income homeowners anywhere in Harris County. Hmm. So we do that with volunteers. Uh, It's pretty cost-effective, although lumber prices keep going up. Uh, But what's great about it is that it's a transformational repair for these folks. Hmm. So I know the lady whose house we worked on in February, she could not leave her house unless her granddaughter came over and walked with her carefully across the porch that was caved in and, and down some rickety stairs. Mm. So a wheelchair ramp for her oh, it was an absolute miracle. And uh, she dances down that ramp now.
0: Oh, nice. See, and it's stories like that, that is the reason why we keep you all um, coming back just for clarity purpose. Christine, sure. you know, we've been, um, getting a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of transplants uh, coming down here. And um, even though you all are friends to the show, there are some people who may not be totally familiar uh, with sure. Rebuilding Together Houston. Just, you know, talk about the organization, your mission, and um, every all of the great things that you do here for the people uh, in Houston and Harris County at no cost.
1: Absolutely. Rebuilding Together repairs the homes of our neighbors who are in need. And we do this work at no charge to them. We serve low-income homeowners, including U.S. military veterans, seniors, and families in need. This year, for our 40th anniversary, we invite all of Houston to celebrate with us, either by making a donation or by volunteering. There is no greater feeling than neighbors helping neighbors.
0: Absolutely. And Houston is... Notorious for that. I mean, with everything that we have been through, um, especially, especially, you know, what was that? Five years ago when Harvey yeah. hit. Yeah. Um, it actually was the city of Houston, Christine. I think I've told you this before. It was the city of Houston that um, restored my faith in humanity by watching how they took care of each other and helped each other during uh, Hurricane Harvey and, and the aftermath and, and, and the flooding. I mean, it was just, oh man, it was so filling for you know my spirit and my soul because I had honestly given up on humanity and people helping each other and, 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 and moving and vibrating off of love. But it was Houston, Texas that I saw on CNN during that time helping each other Regardless of gender, race, sexual orientation, political affiliation, nationality, it did not matter. We were there for each other. And um, for that, I will forever be indebted uh, to this city and the people of this city because they stepped up um, when no one else would. And rebuilding together, I know, does the same thing. And it shows through the work that you all have done.
1: Well, you're right, KG. It was a time unlike any other, and those of us who work in the housing world, none of us could be on the sidelines. Rebuilding together at that time, even though we'd been around for 35 years, we we had never jumped in immediately following a storm, but we had never seen a storm in our beloved city the likes of Harvey. And so we went to work immediately, and at that time, we actually had over 500 families on our waiting list, and they were some of the first people that we served. Um, they'd been waiting, some of them, a long time, and we called them up and said, Hi, Miss Johnson, I understand that you have an approved application with us, and I was just wondering if you were impacted by the storm, and that's how we got our first houses going. And what a joy it was to be able to reach out to those homeowners and say, we are here and we can help you. And we repaired 480 houses um, following Hurricane Harvey, and they were in-depth repairs. A lot of the houses that we work on are pre-World War II, and they are in some of the oldest and most underserved neighborhoods in Houston. And they needed a lot of work. So on the one hand, the storm was a devastation for people, but we were able, through the generosity of Houstonians, to turn it into a blessing in a way and and to set those families up and make their home safer and more resilient against the next disaster because it's not if, it's when um, in, in Houston. So we continue to do that work, and... Houstonians are, are unbelievably philanthropic and have very big hearts, and uh, we, we've had the pleasure of engaging uh, many, many corporations, many churches, and thousands and thousands of volunteers. We celebrated our 40th anniversary on Jan- January 1st of this year, and we looked back at all the families that we have been able to serve over the course of those 40 years, and it was 14,620 families at that point. Mm-hmm. And that's a family a day for 40 years.
0: Wow. Wow.
1: So it, it's, it's pretty amazing. That is. Um, un- unfortunately, last year we turned away 1,000 families mm. who, who would qualify. Mm-hmm. So when there's a disaster, it's easier for people to understand the need. When we're in a blue sky time period, which is what I'm calling what we're in right now, blue skies, Um, we have an opportunity to help the same kinds of families before disaster strikes. And so that's what we do day in, day out. um, With the help of our donors and our volunteers, we are able to offer these services at no cost to the homeowners. And it's a big deal. Oh, absolutely, um, home home ownership is decreasing in Houston.
0: Decreasing. And Why do you think that is? Uh,
1: there there are a multitude of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, part of it is the cost of new housing, um, but the part of the issue that we address is that um, families are being forced out of their homes either because the home has reached such a degree of disrepair that it's no longer safe to live in. Or in some neighborhoods, like the third ward where we're doing a pilot right now, gentrification is causing families to move out of the neighborhood. And so if a neighborhood is gentrifying, the homeowner might have an opportunity to sell the home to a developer. But what if they don't want to? You get to choose where you live. I get to choose where I live. If they want to stay in their home, and they worked hard to get that home, and now they need a little help, then we're the solution for that. We can come in and assess the home for 25 points of safety and see if we can bring the home to a safer and more resilient standard. And that's what we do. So it's really interesting looking at the numbers because um, it really is – uh, black families that are experiencing the largest decrease in home ownership. In the last eight years, this is a study from the Kinder Institute over at Rice University. Um, over eight years, home ownership for black families fell the most out of any ethnic group, from 41% to 37%. And Hispanic home ownership fell to 49% and white home ownership remained relatively high. It fell to 68%. So there's two things. One is, how much lower was the ownership at the beginning of the study? Right. Only 41% of black families own a home, 68% of white families own a home. So there's a built-in uh, inequity in all of this. Um, and so what we do through our work is we preserve what, for some families, is their only real asset so that if someone elderly is living in the home, they can age in place and live the rest of their life there in safety. And when they pass, they can pass this asset on to the next generation of their family.
0: You're listening to the Public Affairs Podcast. We're talking to Christine Holland, the Executive Director and CEO of Rebuilding Together Houston. Uh, those numbers and statistics that you just gave are uh, staggering. I was just, you know, sitting here just incredulous at um, those numbers. But with you and Rebuilding Together Houston having a front seat to the gentrification of neighborhoods such as, as you mentioned, um, Third Ward, um, What? Does that look like, from your perspective, um, when dealing with an older house, maybe it's an older black couple that has um, a house and these folks are, you know, um, trying to get them to sell their house and move out, Uh, but they call on you guys to do some repairs, but yet they're still getting the pressure um, of moving out. From your experience and your perspective, from what you've seen, how... Does the gentrification really, you know, affect these families? Like what, what, what kind of vibration are they on?
1: So two of the neighborhoods that Rebuilding Together is working in currently, the second ward and the third ward, are gentrifying rapidly. It's not our mission to stop gentrification. It, it can't be done. What we do is we try to give homeowners in those historic neighborhoods a choice. So many of our homeowners are elderly. The younger homeowners, often the home has been passed down through the family. And so their families helped build these neighborhoods. This is where their church is. This is where their friends are. This is where the local businesses that they support exist. So we want them to have a choice. There's history in these families and there's history in Mm -hmm. these neighborhoods that if all the families leave, it's lost forever. Mm -hmm. And I I think that's worth preserving. Mm -hmm. And when we concentrate our efforts in a specific geographic area, then we start to uplift the whole neighborhood. You don't see it with the first house. You don't see it with the 10th house. But these days, I can drive around anywhere in the East End because we're working in Magnolia Park, Manchester also. Mm -hmm. Any residential street I drive down, I can see at least one house that we have repaired. Mm -hmm. And then what happens is some of the other homeowners on that block that maybe aren't low income, They decide to clean up and repair their own house or do landscaping or paint. Uh, Landlords that are good landlords will think about improving their rental property. And so then maybe the restaurant uh, a couple blocks over says, huh, maybe the neighborhood is coming back up. Maybe I'll stay. Same thing for small businesses. And and so what you get is a cumulative effort of lifting the entire neighborhood up. Mm. And, and that's a really beautiful thing to see um, for the residents, for the volunteers that come in to help, for everyone.
0: Nice. You mentioned uh, second and, and, and third ward with the community revitalization expansion uh, in the East. And you all are... Uh, Also, doing many other things, such as roofs and hurricane preparedness. We are closely approaching hurricane season.
1: Thank you for bringing that up. Listen, Houston, you don't just need bottled water. You need to look at your roof. (laughs) You really need to look at your roof. And (laughs) Rebuilding Together is providing at least 40 roofs for 40 years. As, a, as part of our anniversary celebration. The roof is the single most important thing around your house that will keep you, your family, and your possessions, and the house itself safe in a hurricane. Whether it's a wind event or a flooding event, the sound roof is the starting point of everything. And we happen to have on our website a great... Do-it-yourself video that we created last year that teaches you how to inspect your exterior, how to inspect your interior, and, and get a sense of if you are potentially in danger. And people can go and take a look at that at uh, rebuildinghouston.org. Yeah, hey, it's uh, also on YouTube.
0: Get ready for an influx of uh, of inquiries uh, because, you know, you all's commitment to this community uh, for 40 years continues. So uh, with 40 roofs to celebrate 40 years to help uh, folks prepare for this upcoming uh, hurricane season. I mean, that is just I am literally sitting here like my body is tingling. That is that's amazing, Christine. That is just absolutely amazing.
1: Well, we, we are so blessed to do this work. Uh, we could never do it without the financial support that we receive from corporations and churches and foundations. And the volunteers are, are just the finishing touch on everything. We call the volunteers the heart of rebuilding together. The hard work that requires permits like roofing and stabilizing the house and uh, electricity and plumbing, that's all done by contractors, Mm. and it's expensive. But then all the work that can be done by volunteers on the exterior of the house, they come out and do it, and it saves us so much money and lets us provide a much deeper level of repair to the homeowner In 2019, before the pandemic, we had 4,572 volunteers that year. And each of those people volunteered at least two days. So it it, it really is a movement. And now with the pandemic easing, we are putting volunteer crews on houses again. And uh, we're having a very active volunteer season right now in April. And we will be doing a lot of homes in September and October this year as well. People kind of don't like to come sweat in the summer quite as much. (laughs) So anyone who's interested in getting this really amazing feeling of being a neighbor, helping a neighbor, should come to our website, rebuildinghouston.org, and click on the volunteer tab. Everything you need to know is there. The majority of our volunteer work is done by crews that uh, work together. So we have corporate crews. We have Boy Scouts sometimes. We certainly have church groups. And these crews come out and do a two-day project to finish up the repairs on the house. And it's interesting, KG, a lot of people have asked me, why do you paint the house? What does painting the house have to do with making it safe and, and more resilient against disaster? And actually, painting the house has a little bit of a different purpose um, first of all, it lifts up the neighborhood, right? Because if we only did the repairs on the inside of the house, it might not be visible right. to everyone. You know how how things are, how life is getting better, how there might be hope. Um, the second thing that happens is we found that it's incredibly good for the mental health of the homeowner. We've done some pretty in-depth surveying uh, through our national organization, and. People who've received our services report that their mental health is better as well as their physical health. They regain the pride in their home, and they feel more connected to the community. And for those people who need a a wheelchair ramp, now they can actually get out of their house and get into the community. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, the, the other thing is painting the house shows the homeowner yet again But they're not alone. People care about you. And not just the plumber and and the roofer, but but neighbors care enough about you to give up their Saturday, um, two weekends in a row, and and share their time. And sometimes they bring their families. It's just a really beautiful thing.
0: It is beautiful. So I would be remiss if I didn't mention the great celebration that you all are going to be having on Thursday, May 12th at Hartman Park. Um, you guys are going to be receiving a proclamation from the city and the county and the, the mayor will be there, the founder of Rebuilding Together. You'll be there. Talk about it.
1: Well, we're, we're very excited. Uh, we're going to be in Hartman Park in the East End where we're doing a lot of work. And not only do we have the press conference going on, We also have two volunteer home repair showcases, we call them. There are two families who live directly across the street from the park, and our sponsors, our presenting sponsors for the anniversary, Reliant Energy and Valero Energy, each are going to have a crew finishing up the volunteer touches on houses for these two families. So for anyone who's been curious about what we do, anyone who just hasn't seen us in action, it is a perfect opportunity to come out. We have the stories of the homeowners, the before photos, uh, information about the repairs that have been made, many, many ways that you can connect with us, and it's an event open to the public.
0: And then later on that evening, you're having the Restoring Hope Celebrating 40 Years event uh, at The Grove.
1: Yeah, Yeah, it's going to be a really great
0: busy day for you guys. But, you know, all of the flowers that you all are receiving, you deserve it. I mean, 40 years is nothing to scoff at. The the work that you all have done in this city, in this county, um, you should be there's going to be a statue or some monument or something for the great work that Rebuilding Together Houston has done for 40 years and continues to do. Christine, mark my words.
1: Oh, thank you. That is so kind of you. But really, the whole reason that we are celebrating, we are not a gala organization. We're a hammers and paintbrush kind of group. The reason that we are doing all of this celebrating is to show people that there is need And there are ways that anyone in Houston can help. You can volunteer. You can donate. If you need help, you can visit our website, rebuildinghouston.org, and see if we're working in your area. It's all about the homeowners and neighbors helping neighbors.
0: Yes, so we are definitely looking forward to it. Log on to rebuildinghouston.org. That's rebuildinghouston.org for all of the information Um, about thursday may 12th uh, information to donate to volunteer and even to apply for aid Um, this is such a great time for you all over there christine i'm so excited and and happy for you guys Um, and of course you know you have an open invitation to come on the program any last words for the city
1: come out and celebrate 40 great years lots of families waiting to have a generous hand extended to them.
0: Indeed. Christine Holland, Executive Director and CEO of Rebuilding Together Houston. So good to talk to you. Thank you so much for coming on.
1: And you too. It's my great pleasure.
0: Indeed. And for those of you listening to the podcast, we'll be right back after this. From your local Houston BMW Center Studios, welcome back to the Public Affairs Podcast addressing local issues that affect our nation and shape our world. I am your host, KG Smooth. I've got on the line some folks representing Teach for America Houston. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Brandon Neely, Director of School Impact, and the lovely Candy Fernandez, who is also the director of school impact. Welcome to the Public Affairs Podcast, y'all. Thank you
2: so much for having us. Yeah, we're happy to be here.
3: Yes, thank you so much.
0: Man, thank you all for being here. So uh this week, the second through the sixth, is teacher appreciation week. And um, I understand that uh you guys are showing your appreciation in a big way, thanking all of the teachers for what they have done uh with the students, especially over the past two years during this pandemic, which is great. Um, but before we get into that, I just want to get a little background on on y'all and Teach for America. Please tell the folks what is Teach for America and how long have you two um, been a part of this organization?
2: All right. So Teach for America was founded out of the belief that all students deserve the opportunity to receive an excellent education So what we do is we recruit, train, and develop recent college graduates and early uh, career professionals who didn't necessarily study education, but we recruit them to come to a city across America and work in an under-resourced school for two years. Uh, We've been in Houston for 30 years now, so in 1991 we were founded, and currently we have over 200 teachers that we call core members working across five school districts in Houston who are now teaching. Um, So I did the core myself. I did Teach for America in Dallas, Fort Worth. I taught middle school master two years, never thought I was going to be in education long term. Um, wanted to go to medical school myself, but what Teach for America did is it made me fall in love with, teach, uh, with schools, with students, uh, with communities, um, and it made it um, a lifelong career for me. And so I've been with Teach for America since 2014. I've been officially on staff since 2020, so I joined during the pandemic. Oh, nice. Um, and so, yeah, okay. we're, um, we're here. We're trying to make a difference across schools and create educational equity
0: for our students. Indeed. How about you, Candy?
3: So, I recently just joined um, Teach for America. I um I want to say joined almost a year, It'll be a year in September. And so I am coming from Houston Independent School District as a teacher development specialist and so um I'm able to transition here for Teach for America and support and provide um the necessary means for our teachers um by giving them resources, professional development, um, providing a wellness, you know, check-in for them. So anything that they may need, you know, we are here for Teach for America for our teachers wholeheartedly.
0: Okay. All right. Now let's talk about Teach for America Houston. <laughs> let's let's take it local. That's, that was the national one. Um, I, from what I see, like you all are, you've been paysetters for education reform here in the city of Houston, Um, Mm -hmm. teach in low-income schools, um, reaching over 150,000 students uh, collectively. Um, Mm -hmm. Which districts are you all in in Houston doing all this great work?
2: Yes, so we're in Houston Independent School District. We're in Aldean Independent School District. We are in KIPP charter schools. We're in Baker Ripley charter schools as well as uh, Yes Prep charter schools.
0: Okay. All right. And um, how has that been? Like y'all, you know, pushing these kids. What has this experience been like? Because it's um, it's tough.
2: Mm-hmm. Kids, yeah, it's
0: definitely tough. Th- these kids these days they're they different, different, um, and they have more distractions. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm not even just talking about their devices. I mean distractions at home you know, dealing mm-hmm. with mom and or dad, you know, not getting the proper food and and care and things. Like, mm-hmm. sh- share with me you all's experience and, and, and how you all deal and how things like Teach for America have made it better. I hope that isn't too much mm-hmm. in one question.
2: No, it's fine. Um, it's definitely been challenging. I came into Teach for America as far as a staff member, Uh, during the pandemic and i was teaching myself during the pandemic Uh, i was teaching abroad at the time um so i definitely came in with an empathetic lens just because i knew what it was like to be a teacher during a pandemic and having to go from virtual to in-person back and forth uh throughout the pandemic Uh, so it's just been challenges made us really think about ways to prioritize teacher well-being and mental health um social emotional wellness and just making sure that teachers are 100 percent so they can be uh, all they need to be for their students as well and so We kind of scale back the full expectations of what we would typically require from our teachers just so they can make sure they are taking care of themselves. We teach them how to advocate for their needs and what they need on their campus as far as what they need from Teach for America and we just try to be flexible to to meet their needs. Um, Last year was definitely a lot more challenging than this year because we weren't allowed to actually be on school uh, campuses. I personally partnered with 16 schools in Houston Um, and so just given the nature of the pandemic uh, we weren't able to be on physically on site at those schools. So this year has definitely been better We're able to see our teachers in person, have that uh, community. A lot of our teachers flew in from other places across the country to move to Houston and teach in Houston schools. Um, So this year has definitely been better, but it's still a lot of challenges just helping teachers get students caught up uh, from the learning loss that happened during the pandemic. Um, So we're learning a lot of lessons. We're trying to adapt and be flexible um, and just do what it takes to make sure our students are taken care of.
0: Yeah, indeed. I'm sure, I'm sure. Candy, how about you?
3: Um, I can definitely say just understanding you know where teachers are and meet them where they are meaning you know we have some teachers that need um social emotional you know uh, we have some teachers that need just check-ins daily weekly um and so we want to make and ensure that we are there for our teachers so they can then ensure that they are there for the students because those are you know that is the ultimate goal is to that the students have you know, what they need and have this equity of education. And so just ensuring that our teachers have what they need and being there for them, you know, as far as resources, um, checking in with their wellness, um, as well as resources, you know, whatever they may need, professional development, you know. um, And so we're there just to, you know, like I said before, just to be there for them wholeheartedly.
0: That's amazing. Um, And and that is very well needed. I dated a teacher back in 2016 (laughs) And um, you know, we would just drink casually or she would just drink casually, you know, wine uh-huh. or whatever. Uh-huh. But then as time went on, she kept drinking more and more Uh-oh. and more. <laughs> and I'm like, yo, like like what's really going on? Uh uh-huh. it's these kids, it's is the school, like yeah. I ain't got enough supplies, you know, this kid is dealing with that, oh, yeah. and I gotta do this, and I gotta da 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 da. And I was just like, man, And my – I had to take a step back and really look at all of the emotional and mental
1: Uh um,
0: wherewithal that a teacher has to have these days Uh because of the situation of the school, the district – and their students and so Mm -hmm. for you all to be checking on their mental and emotional well-being making sure that that they're good and have an outlet i'm so i applaud you all for that because that was a concern of mine once i saw her doing that and i was like man like this ain't even really you uh so if you're going through this and you're teaching art (laughs) Mm -hmm. here -hmm. you are you teaching art it ain't (laughs) it ain't it ain't history it ain't you know algebra (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, you're uh-huh. teaching art. If you're yeah. going through this teaching art, I can only imagine what the, you know, social studies teacher or the math teacher or the English teacher uh, is going through. So kudos to y'all on that. In terms of when we talk about teaching our children, and you don't have to answer this, um, are you satisfied with the curriculum? Do you feel as if the system, the education system, is giving out the proper information and history that these children need in order to succeed in life later on down the line? And I don't know if that's too deep or if you you know, can't give your full opinion due to, I don't know. Union stuff, or just to be politically correct, or just to protect <laughs> your your career, your job. And I totally understand if that is it, but I would just like to uh, get some sort of, uh, yeah, get some sort of a uh, some, some some sort of pulse on you know how the teachers feel because it, you know it's out of your hand. You have to do what is told. So I would like to know firsthand from the teachers how y'all feel about the curriculum and are the kids getting the proper uh, tools and education and truth Uh, that they deserve.
3: Thank you so much for that question, KJ. I just want to definitely start off by saying uh, kudos to you for definitely taking the time out to ask, you know, your, your friend or your partner that you were with at the time, um, just, you know thinking about you know her and just wanting to just kind of see you know where she was so i know she you know really appreciated you just for you know taking the time out just to ask like she how did. she was doing because i know that she meant did. a lot to her yeah, she did. but to you know kind of go into the the statement or the question that you just asked um i you know right now um we are doing everything that we can to provide for our students and our teachers it is constantly changing things are happening and we are moving with that and so as you know, TFA as an organization, we are looking at what can we give our teachers in order for them to be at their best, in order for them to be able to now give to our students. And so being able to be there for them, um, that is our focus. Now, I know you said something about curriculum. Um, Curriculum is given to us. We always tell our teachers, we look at it, we definitely take it, and we teach our students what they need to know. And Hmm. so if that, that. that curriculum is Hey, we have to do X, Y, Z, then you do X, Y, Z. Now every student learns differently. And so we uh, instill in our teachers, how do we teach to all learners? Because everyone learns differently. And so then we equip them with different tools and practices. So therefore, they'll be able to touch each of our students to give them that equity within their education. Brandy, would you like to add anything? Sure, and,
2: uh, and I'll just acknowledge, uh, one, everything that Candy said is 100% true, um, but I would just acknowledge that there are gaps in our curriculum. There's things that aren't addressed that, you know, should be addressed, for, especially for the communities that we're serving, uh, you know, predominantly Black and Latinx students.
0: I can only imagine. Um,
2: <laughs> yeah, and so what we are doing, we get a lot of questions from our teachers who are mostly like 20 to 25 years of age uh, primarily, uh, but particularly about just how can they teach, uh, you know, things they're passionate about, things the students should know about, but that's technically, you know, outlawed by the curriculum. And so what we do is we just we try to prepare them and just tell them what they can do within the parameters of, you know, legislation without, you know, them losing their jobs. The ways they can still uh, provide for their black and brown students, you know, teach them those lessons, um, you know, care for their LGBT students um, within the confines of their curriculum. But, you know, we're just trying to figure out ways to be creative, uh, teach students how to advocate, uh, to, you know, their state representatives and, you know, people lobby for the change that they want. Um, so, yeah, we're just trying to pr- prepare them to advocate for their for subs, for their students, um, which is what we do in the back end.
0: Now, uh, now is TFA? Are they very open to um, the suggestions that um, you all, as teachers, come to them to maybe help um, make your job in the schools, then the district's job, a little easier?
2: I would say Teach for America, because it's a nationwide organization. You know, each state has different laws about what can be taught and what can't be taught and so thankfully the national organization hosts a lot of trainings for how to empower you know lgbt students how to you know teach critical race theories within the confines um so even if we can't do certain things in the state of texas we direct our teachers to trainings that are happening Mm -hmm. across the country so they can still get those skills
0: i'm so glad that you just mentioned crt critical race theory i I am sick of the narrative going around as if critical race theory is something that is taught in middle and high school. Okay. Critical race theory is, is is something that you are learning about once you get to college. Maybe some <laughs> like their third or fourth year in college. And if you're going on to law school, like it, it, even, in, you know, um, in law school, I don't understand why the media and everyone else in the government wants to perpetuate this narrative, this as if sixth graders are going to be learning about critical race theory. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like, what, like, what, like what are we really doing? Go ahead.
2: No, it's, it's definitely challenging. And we, we definitely acknowledge all of our teachers concerns when they come to us just about the frustrations they, they exhibit about, you know, what can I say to my students? What can I say to my students? I know, It's best if I say this, but is it going to put me in jeopardy? Um, And sometimes our teachers, you know, sometimes they'll do what's best for the students, you know, regardless of what that means. Um, And so, you know, our our teachers are very passionate, and that's what they bring to this profession. They're the ones who, you know, a lot of our teachers didn't study education, but they're in this work for life um, just as a result of, you know, things that the things that our students are not receiving uh, from the system. They're trying to, you know, find ways to combat the system that, you know, typically holds our students down.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They continue to perpetuate it. I'm not going to I'm not going to get on my uh, woke and I'm using air quotes when I say (laughs) woke my woke soap box um, because we would be here uh, all Sunday morning. Uh, But Mm -hmm. I do want to get back to this week being teacher appreciation week. How are you all showing your love for our beloved educators um, during this week, which is uh, May 2nd through the 6th?
2: Yeah, so the first thing we realized is that our teachers just want an opportunity to relax and unwind. Uh, it's been a very long school year, particularly for, our, for all of our teachers, but especially our teachers in our first year. Many of them are fresh out of college and having to like enter you know, very challenging environments. Uh, so we are hosting a teacher happy hour um, in Houston. We're inviting them all to come out. We have gifts for them. Um, but just opportunity for them to not have to spend any money, just come online, meet other teachers, um, and just connect over their experiences. And so that's the first thing that we're going to be doing. Uh, we're giving them gift cards to either Starbucks, Target, or Amazon to use how they how they feel they need it. Uh, we're also uh, doing a thank the teacher campaign. So we're reaching out to their students or having core members or teachers reach out to other teachers just to thank them for the work they're doing. Um, teaching can be a very thankless job. And so just hearing from your students um, and other teachers that you're doing a good job, um, goes a long way uh candy do you have anything else that
3: we're doing um, I know when I was in the classroom, some of the things that I would like, it's just, it was the smaller thing. So just, you know, maybe some flowers or maybe an email or just a special note for my students just saying, hey, you know, I'm doing a great job, you know. Um, so it's the smaller things for me. But um, as far as our core members, as Brandon said, we have some great things that we're doing throughout the week for them, as well as their campuses are doing some things. Um, so we just want to really show their appreciation for them, um, you know, just to say, you know, thank you for all that you do and everything that, you know, You know, of course, sometimes they feel like a lot of things that they do just don't get noticed. But we do notice, you know, and we appreciate everything that they're doing.
0: Oh, That just reminded me of um, one of my favorite shows that uh, is out. Well, the season just ended a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Abbott Elementary.
1: Yes.
0: Oh, Oh, yes. And so on that season finale of (laughs) Abbott Elementary, when uh, the janitor... Finds this lovely letter written to um, one of the teachers, and uh, he's reading it, and he <laughs> and then in the end, he's like ah, and then he balls it up and throws it in the trash. I was like, this is just so hilarious. But the letter itself, so Candy, to your point, like I can I totally relate to how that would make the teacher feel, especially if it's a handwritten. You know, oh, note okay. from mm-hmm. the the student expressing their um, love and gratitude and admiration and appreciation um, for their mm-hmm. teacher. How you know that can just give you all the feels. Uh, so you all watch
3: Abbott Elementary. You're you're a fan of that show. Yes, I that's Mine.
0: Yeah, uh, teachers will keep those
2: letters for life. But yeah, we both watch Abbott Elementary. And speaking of which, uh, Quincy Brunson, the um, the founder.
0: Yeah, the creator the of, the of the show. show mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, she's actually doing a thank-a-teacher message for all of our Teach for America core members, so we partnered with her, um, and she's going to be releasing a statement next week for Teach for America teachers, just thanking them for the work they do. And so that's another way that we're appreciating our teachers next week.
0: Oh, wow. That is amazing. That's amazing. That's going to be dope. That is going to be Yeah, dope. we're
1: really
3: excited.
0: Super excited. Yeah, as you should be. Um, for those of you that need more information about Teach for America Houston. You can visit mm-hmm. teachforamerica.org slash where we work slash Houston. I know that's a lot. I'm gonna say it again. Teachforamerica.org/ dot slash where we work slash Houston. Get all the information mm-hmm. about Teach for America Houston. Um, do something nice and kind for our educators this week, as this week is Teacher Appreciation Week. And uh, Brandon and Candy, I appreciate you all for coming on the program. Any last words before we get out of here?
2: Just want to thank you for having us, for sure. If anyone's interested in partnering with Teach for America, please visit our website and learn more about the work we do. Um, Or if you are interested in teaching in one of our schools, you know, the application, we uh, have five different deadlines throughout the year anyone who wants to teach or make a difference in education can apply um, to work in one of our schools and learn more about the work that we do on the ground.
3: I would just like to add, thank you so much for the opportunity. Um, It has been great just speaking with you and hopefully, you know, we get some people just to, you know, come out and support TFA. Um, We're looking forward to seeing everyone and happy Appreciation Teachers Week. I'm so excited for all the teachers.
0: Indeed. Happy Teacher Appreciations Week. And thank you all so much. Brandon Neely, Candy Fernandez, both directors of School Impact for Teach Teach for America, Houston. I appreciate you all's time. Thank you so much.
2: All right. You as well.
1: Thank
3: you. Thank you.
0: And for those of you listening to the podcast, we will see you next week.